May 9th, 2018, it's the Watt for Pedro show.
for Pedro show and Pedro uh, brother Matt last moment got sick he went on a trip you know he just retired from being a teacher and I guess he got a little sick he was in, down San Diego way and uh, but he's going to heal up you know and it's not too bad it's uh, flu I think 
Otherwise, I'm not totally alone because of the engineering marvels of those good people there in Estonia with the Skype software. I'm joined by uh, Serena Yost. Welcome aboard. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you. I'm glad to have you aboard. Thank you, Howard Wolfen, for making the connect. We started with John Coltrane doing Alabama, something live from Birdland, and then uh, Winda from your new record. Serena, uh, tell me about your earliest music musical recollection. Oh, you know, I guess uh, the most strong one I have is uh, going to a concert, like a classical music concert with my parents, and there was no room in the audience. The place was totally sold out, and so they stuck us under the piano. And to me, that was just a life-altering experience. I was really young, but to hear a concert pianist like right from below the piano blew my mind. And what town was this? This was in East Lansing, Michigan, at uh, Michigan State University. Is yeah, where Spartans, was. green and white. <laughs> yes. Because, <laughs> you know, we had a uh, kind of a famous guy here on the lakes, Magic Johnson. Oh, yes. Incredible. Yeah. And I got to play there once, uh, opening up for the Beastie Boys. So, oh, really? Yeah, I've been there a lot. It's kind of, if you make your hand like a hand to show people where you are in Michigan, it's in the middle. you got it. You've got it down. <laughs> okay, so... What, it was like the the Phil, Philharmonic or something? It was uh, just the local symphony? It was. I think it was a local symphony with an international guest, and it was a woman piano player, you know. And, I mean, I have a lot of musical memories of singing and playing music with my family and all of that, but that was one that I That's think... That's earliest. Okay, let's, talk, know, let's yeah. talk about your pad. Uh, was there music people, I mean, besides just listeners, was there music makers in your house growing up? Yes, um, my father played violin, and my brothers also played violin, but me, I wanted to play the big one. The bigger violin. But yeah. Not, but not the biggest one. <laughs> no, not quite. I'm not that big. Yeah, yeah. No, incredible range of cello. I mean, I think it has the biggest range of all those similar-looking instruments. They're pretty incredible. Yeah. The only weird thing for me was always the way you had to play it. But it you mean sitting down? Yeah, sitting down? between the legs, yeah. you know? <laughs> I've seen some guys try to, I, I saw ELO once in, when they were kind of funny, you know, before they mm -hmm. got terrible. And mm -hmm. the guy tried to play sideways, one of them. They had two guys. You know, there actually are a couple of cellists who are doing that, especially if they kind of strum it. And then there's, there's this guy named Mike Block who invented a cello strap. So some people are starting to play standing up. But, you know, I actually like sitting down because you kind of play when you play. Your, your feet are going into the ground in this way. So it sort of connects you into the earth, which is part of how you play. Oh, sure. And, by, and it also frees up both hands so they can go wild. Exactly, <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, I, no, I have much, much respect for what, 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 what about, uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but versus uh, Ron Carter in his uh, piccolo bass. Ah, because mm -hmm. fourths, fifths, that's the difference. There's you more drama. It. There's more drama with the fifths. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, like, people think that I could automatically play the bass, but actually it's kind of confusing, you know, because of the difference between the fourth and fifth is close, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But, so, you know, when you go up and down on the strings, there's much more drama, much closer cluster with the fourth. But let's yeah, go, let's go yeah. back when you're young. Oh, okay, your, your pop. Uh, usually uh, children of musicians, uh, yeah, they have to play. They had to learn how to play. Did your pop, like, say, I want you playing? Well, you know, he, he wasn't a professional, so he was more of a hobbyist. Okay. Um, and it was sort of 
invited, you know, it was like you were encouraged, but I wouldn't say we were forced. It wasn't like I was locked into a practice room like I know some people were. Right. right. Well, was, was there like a piano in the living room? No, no piano, okay. but we would play string quartets or string trios. And um, and then, you know, as we were doing that, I I was like often stuck with a sort of simpler cello part in the in the quartet. So I started inventing singing lines, which is sort of when I started singing and playing, you know, uh, let's, get, let's get right on the cello. When did you first put a cello in your hands? Um, I was nine years old, and um, it was through a public school program, you know. Ah, remember those days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, so, and then it took me a couple of years, I, I was sort of just enjoying it, but then I started taking private lessons after a couple of years. Uh-huh. Okay, so that first one that you held at nine years old, is that the one you end up playing? Like your uh, folks... I'm sorry, I just lost you for a second there. Well, like your folks got you the cello, mm -hmm. or did you just handle yeah. somebody else's? Was that the one? Oh, oh, you know, actually, no, because I was a, kind of a smaller person. I was a kid, so I, I didn't have a full-size cello initially. Um, but oh, then, they do that with cellos, you know, too. I know they do that with violins. Yeah, okay. yeah, because it's a lot, you know, your hands are only so big. Yeah, so, right, right. <laughs> but then, actually, the cello that I got, uh, the full-size cello that I got, um, came to me because my family would vacation in northern Michigan, you know, when you put the hand up there where the pinky is. Sure. Uh, Scotty, uh, uh, the, uh, the drummer of the Stooges, he had a cabin up there. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. There's an island. Oh, yeah. Drummond was... Island. Drummond Island. And they oh, yeah, called that yeah. stuff the UP and the Boundary Waters and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, so we were in this place called Atwood, which was like the Grand Traverse Bay area. And we were playing music like in the summer. But, you know, we were on vacation and playing in the woods and whatnot. But we would at the end of the summer we would perform for the people who rented us the house and that guy he was an old school teacher uh -huh. um, named Stanley Smith had a cello in in his basement wrapped in a brown blanket and that is the cello that I have now oh wow wow thank you uh, Mr. Stanley yes incredible man. yeah yeah so what uh, he was thinking man it's not getting any use down here why don't you use it yeah, and you know, it was like, it was pretty dramatic. It was wrapped in a green-brown army blanket and had been there for years. And, and I learned later, just before he died, that um, it had been a way to pay a bank loan. So someone owed someone money, and they said, I don't have the cash, but here's this instrument. Like a and, collateral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so lucky for me. <laughs> yeah, wow. Things work out trippy. So, so your first gigs actually are like playing with your family for this cat. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you probably did stuff at school too, uh, recitals and uh, the, Yeah, the, yeah, and I would, you know, earn a little money in high school playing like, you know, background music for people, <laughs> stuff like that. And I was also sort of singing at the same time. I was kind of going into that. So Were you yeah, in the choir? Was, Were you in the school choir? Yeah, I was okay. actually. And um and then I had these friends, these two friends that I would sing harmonies with. We would just get together on a porch, you know, and sing harmony, which yeah. was really nice. Now, might have been a little trippy because the other cats uh, at school doing music probably after school in the garage doing bands and they probably <laughs> not a big call up for the cellos right yeah not at that time but you know actually like there's so many bands that have cello players now right yeah right um, right you right. know and in cities there were people like you know all kinds of people who were still starting to play the cello in non classical uh, con conditions, I guess, you know, in, in different contexts. Yeah. So, you know, and there was like, a, and so by the time I came to New York, there were definitely people that I could look to for that. Sure, sure. Down the hallway, right? Hey, let's play hallway off your new okay. record.
the southern land Metropolis days are small and gone In the past I lied, scratched open a scam To look at the young skin of his little prison To let the bright light in To where Metropolis builds its jungle gyms It's obvious
Viva o Baixo até Macedônia. Сега пред попот ќе дадете бесан. Кој има татко и мајка, се заколне во нив. Кој нема татко и мајка, ќе се заколне во децата. Кој нема деца, во Господ ќе се заколне. И во вашата Македонија. И во вашата Македонија. И во вашата Македонија.
What's that? What's that? What's that? Throw it 
Watch for Pedro Show. We heard uh, Hallway, Serena Yost's new uh, album. Uh, du- uh, Duo Decibel System has a new record, too, out of Cleveland. And that we heard Fly. And then uh, another Ohio guy, Robert Pollard. You know, one of his 10 million songs, obvious number one. Uh, Kodorashi, Lele, out of uh, Bulgaria. Uh, Vasco, Adonisoski, and Drogi doing Krimi. Well, it's probably Cherny de Novi out of uh, Macedonia. Uh, Sarlo Akrobata, Serbia, Ljubivana, Pricha, that's Brother Koya, incredible bass man. The details out of Romania with Girls on the Beach, uh, Croatia band uh, Snooze in Motion. <laughs> yeah, in English, okay. Uh, I'll walk you home the farther south out of Tel Aviv with Before the Party Began, and finally Clement. Serena Yost. I don't know why. When I when I read a name like Clement, I got to think of a pope, <laughs> right? Because right? there ain't a lot of cats named Clement. Yeah. Can I give you my secret? Yeah, please. You, okay. So the church that I recorded the album in uh, was built in 1838, and it's in the Chelsea neighborhood of New York City. It's a beautiful old church called St. Peter's. And the land was given to the church by none other than Clement Clark Moore, who was the guy who wrote The Night Before Christmas. Oh, wow. Which ended up uh, ended up on, on greeting cards and uh, turning it uh, Xmas into a whole industry, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, who, people, would have, who would have thunk? Yeah, because people didn't really give presents. It was, uh, I think it was even out, uh, banned in England for a little while. It's too pagan or something. And this, uh, so uh, Mr. Clement there, yeah, got to thank for coming up with this. <laughs> also, the imagery comes out of that poem, a lot of the stuff, because it was all a bunch of uh, separated, separated, separated little uh, stories. And so he got it all together where he's kind of pagan, kind of Christian, kind of all kinds of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's interesting. So, okay, let's talk about making this new record. Uh, did you have in mind to do it at this church? Um, I knew that I wanted to do it in a non-commercial space and not in a traditional studio setting. And I went all over New York. I went to Brooklyn to look at synagogues. I went to Jersey to look at a church. And you know, I recorded in a synagogue in, uh, who are those guys? Government Mule. Uh, oh, yeah. They, they did a whole album guys, in, yeah. a, in a, it was like old, old timey, right? And it was mm-hmm. a great sound in there. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the the funny thing was, it was kind of a beautiful thing. Like, I went everywhere to look for the perfect spot, and it ended up being just a few blocks from where I live. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes? You go looking for something, and then it's there right, it in always of, was. right in front of you. It was there the whole time. Well, you know, so. you, were talking about, you were talking about going from Michigan to New York and finding people. Yeah, what happened? We kind of, I, I ran over that. You graduate high school. Yeah, and I went to college to a couple of different places. It was a little rough for me to to get to get my degree, but I finally did. And you know, I what was schools? Just, I'm curious. Um, I went to Earlem College okay, um, in uh, Indiana, which sure. is a Quaker school. And then I left there, and I that was must have been school. trippy, right? Yeah, it was. It's an amazing school, but it wasn't quite the right one for me in yeah. terms of like my creative expression. And then, but then I was in Africa and in Europe working for a little bit. Um, uh-huh. And then I ended up finishing at Michigan State University. Wow. In, yeah, with sort of a humanities degree with a sort of emphasis on philosophy. That was my main interest. Okay, so you're full circled. And then you yeah. decide to go to New York. 
Yeah, then I came to New York, and you know what? I came here to work with a visual artist, um, a sculptor, because at that time I was pretty interested in visual art. And I had someone, you know, said to me, oh, you have you play the cello? I said, yeah, but I have to figure out where to ship it. And they said, well, why don't you ship it to my house? So I just met this guy, and I shipped the cello there. And meanwhile, someone stopped over at his house and said, whose cello is that? And he said, oh, this woman, she just moved here. And and then, lo and behold, it was a friend of the band Rasputina. So ah, three cellos. <laughs> yeah, yeah Colombia. Yeah. <laughs> I was label mates with you, Serena. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's. Amazing. I was fourteen amazing. years. I was fourteen years on Columbia Records. Oh my God. Now, now I, I remember. Yeah, I remember them giving me this uh, Rasputina uh, CD, and I think we played some gigs together even. That's incredible. Well, you know, I I'd be curious to know when it was. I wasn't. I was in the band just for like three years, and then you know they continue to this day. But it was sort of like the. No, band. I think it was an early version. I think it was oh an my early God, that's version. A, that's amazing. I love it. So, so we know each other from before. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I but I kind of for me, like I think I always started to figure out, like I kind of need to do my own thing, whatever it is. I don't know what it is yet, yeah. but I know I have to do it. That's sure. what. That's so. It was the first time I'd ever played in a band, you know. And um, but it kind of like broke broke open the door for me. And then you know that was the, that was just the beginning. Well, uh, speaking of breaking open the door, uh, well, did they ask you to wear the corset? You know, I still have one of those courses. Because <laughs> that's some wild outfits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, now for me, for my own performing, I like to be able to really breathe. And <laughs> so, so, you know, so I'm I'm without. A were those old tiny ones? Um, some of them were, and some of them. You know, what I'm talking about like whalebone or some shit. Yeah, yeah, and they were custom made. I had a custom made one. Okay. Um, it's beautiful, aesthetically very beautiful. What's, outfit, a, what's, a, what's the difference between a corset and a bodice? I don't know. Okay. I, of course, you kind of. <laughs> I thought you might know because I don't know. Of, you know, <laughs> it's just old, uh, old words yeah. for ladies' underwear. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Maybe it's your new specialty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So you do three years with the uh, Rasputina. That's your first, first band, and uh, but you got to go on your own. Yeah, and I'm playing with other songwriters. I, I think that I might want to become a jazz cellist at one point. So I go to California to study jazz. And, um, Where? And Cal I, Arts? Um, no, it was actually at Stanford University. Oh, um, the, yeah, yeah. You know, it was a, a summer jazz workshop. Sure, sure. Palo Alto. And, and I, and yeah, exactly. And then I realized after that, like, wow, if I want to be a jazz musician, I'm going to have to like dive into the deepest part of the ocean and <laughs> and study study this for ten years at yeah. least. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of realized, like, okay, it's good to know about improvising, and I can improvise enough. But I don't think I, you know, I really, I really just wanted to be singing. So, so I kind of used that information that I got and then started writing my own songs. Oh, you wanted to be singing. You wanted to get rid of the cello. No, but I just wanted to be doing it. I wanted to be singing as well, you know. Okay. Uh, so, so I do sing and play guitar, and I sing and play cello. But this record, you know, that we're talking about today yeah, right. is just cello and voice. Right. Love it. I really like it. I dig it. So, and uh, we can get into it now. How you did it. Uh, you, you picked out this church, uh, Mr. Clement uh, deeded the land to, and uh, after exploring a bunch of things, and then what? What would you hire mobile or someone? Uh, people to come in there with some equipment. Yeah, what I did was um, I got in touch with my friend Adam Gold, who's a beautiful musician and drummer, but also does like location recording. Uh huh. 
And he and I went in there, just the two of us, um, and we had eight microphones, and we set up in the church, you know. So I, I was on the altar, um, and there was a close mic on my voice and a close mic on the cello and a bunch of room mics and a couple of mics in the pews, you know. You get the picture. Yeah. Yeah, so it was usually I thought they did that stuff with just two mics, just stereo things. That that's yeah, trippy. Yeah, this was we had a lot of options and then, you know, the the mixing happened with this guy named Chris Butler and his job was to sort of choose which mics worked best for what songs, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um and that as you can as you I'm sure you know is like there's such an art to that. Um, oh yeah, you know, absolute. As much as playing an instrument or singing. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean and for me I'm, one of the things that happened around this project is everyone who was involved was just so incredible, you know. So I felt very blessed to be working with people. I knew, like, I've chosen you, and you just do your thing because you you know what you're doing much better than I do, you know. So, so uh, yeah, a lot of autonomy. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. I believe in that creatively yeah. anyways. I really like to choose people for their qualities and then just let them go. Let the freak flag fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's smart. Because, uh, yeah. Maybe more options, more things can happen. Things aren't as uptight. Exactly. And like, you know, my mind is like, I'm, I know about certain things like singing and playing and maybe about the writing, but I don't know that much about mixing. So being open is essential to the process. Uh, yeah, but on, at the other hand, knowing your limitations. Oh, my God. Yeah, which all, each of us has so many. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's what, yeah. why picking out a team is important because that's how we can cover for each other. Exactly. And, you know, and I feel like people are often at their best given a lot of freedom to do their thing. Right. You set them up, you give them a, I don't know, a corral, and then, yeah, up goes the gate and let them come bucket it's, out. <laughs> it, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think that's where you get, because when you get down to it, you know, even with uh, instruments and technique and all that, it is about people. Mm-hmm. It used to be in the old days. It is now. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be that way in the future. Yeah, and I think it's about, you know, finding the people that make sense for you. Like, my aesthetics are a certain thing or a range of things, right? Yep. Yep. And if I choose someone to mix the album, it should be someone who who is sort of in my wavelength somehow. Or, you know, we're on each other's rate. We kind of get each other, you know? I think that's really essential. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, there can be problems just in communicating. Yeah. 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 So I feel very I feel extremely lucky, you know, that um, really this whole project, I felt like even the church, you know, the being able to use the church in the way that we did. I feel like there's just a lot of um, I don't know, I guess you could say grace or really positive things happening around. Yeah, the project. Stuff came together to make it happen. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd call it grace, too. Hey, we're, we're at the end of the. First hour of the May 9, 2018 edition of Watt for Pedro Show special guest, Serena Yost. Hold tight for hour two. May 9, 2018. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Watch for Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with Silver Star from Serena Yost off her new album, and uh, Spirit Valley after that with Give Trance a Chance. Disorder with Through the Walls after that. Here Lies Man, Here Lies Man. What do you call that? Uh, what do you call that? When you have... Eponymous. It's the same name, right? Eponymous. Uh, usually it's a band, right? That they're going to call their first album the name of their band. I remember uh, Albert Bouchard, the uh, brain surgeon, he just said, fuck it. He called his album Eponymous. <laughs> and then uh, M.B. Jones with the demo of uh, Breaking the Law, Genetic Law to Pusan. Cleveland Steamers was shut up. And then It's a Delight, Serena Yost. Yeah, I was curious. It's a delight? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, no, no, can I ask you, Serena, are, are you one that likes to talk about your songs? Or, or are you, like I had Mr. Tom last week, and he says, man, the, the songs should talk for themselves, which I, I'm into both ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I think I'm open to talking about them. You know, and okay, I, it's and a I delight. Want other, pe- <laughs> other people, to, other people to hear what they hear too. You know. Yeah, of course, of course. Then that can be kind of trippy, huh? <laughs> like how, maybe 180 <laughs> degrees from what you met, right? Oh my God! Yes, you yeah, know. Right. You know, some one time I was I wrote a song and it was the, the lyric was an early song and I and it was I saw a Mary in a bag by the church steps today and it was literally a little Mary figurine in a paper bag and oh, yeah. it was such a striking thing and someone asked me and they said, "Is a Mary in a bag a tampon?" <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes good can you sense. imagine? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, people gosh, bring their I would own stuff. That. People bring their own stuff to it. I think that's okay. But what about it's a delight? Is that about a tampon? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's a delight. I think it was a, a sort of poetic choice um, for that song because uh, on this album there's songs that I wrote before and before going into the church and there's other songs that I, were part of the improvisations that I did in there. Sure. Um, so it was totally spontaneous and unplanned. And it, I was thinking, you know, what what would what would this song? What does this song feel like? And there is something where I'm sort of searching in there, but there's um, I feel like there's something sort of optimistic and um, uh, enjoyable about it you know so yeah um, yeah do you remember gumby oh uh, yeah okay this little clay cat he's in the toy store uh one of his favorite chows was the clam dandy he loved clam dandies and that's for some reason that's what the song made me think of when i was a boy yeah, watching yeah, gumby yeah. in the clam dandies that's great. See, I love that. You know, very <laughs> It makes it makes me happy. You know, when different people bring so many different so many different kinds of listening to the okay, same song. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna play Red Door. Tell me something about that. Oh, it's a mystery, but I'll give you the key to the mystery. So, the the church. If you were to come to New York City and come to St. Peter's Church on Twentieth Street, and you would walk walk by and you would see it, and you would see that it has red doors. Ah. Probably three of them. Yeah, in fact, that's exactly right. And you know, you know, actually, and I didn't know, I didn't really think about that when I was recording, but it just sort of came to the surface subconsciously. So.
path leads to the red door The path leads to the door The path leads to the red door Open it She submits as she dominates She gets out of
Why for Pedro Show? Uh, we heard Red Door for Serena Yost, uh, and you got the clue, people. So you go by St. Peter's. Well, now we're, I know there's a Trinity Church on the east side by Wall Street. That's a famous New York City church. But you're talking Chelsea, so like the 20s on the west side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, speaking of hatches, well, you know my papa's a sailor, so I call them hatches. They've been selling off hatches from the Chelsea Hotel. Like I saw a picture yes. on the web of, of egg. They were selling eggs hatch. And, uh, yeah, it's a it's not a good thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange. Huh? I mean, I I'm sad to see like you know the highest bidder getting everything in New York City, and, right. and particularly in Manhattan. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of money coming in that pushes a lot of really great things out. So I I'm not. So it ends up in somebody's, uh, you know what I'm always reminded of is that last scene in uh, Citizen Kane where he's got all that shit, it doesn't even get out of the boxes, right? He goes to Europe to collect Mm. all that art, and it's just sitting in fucking crates. You know, (laughs) Rosebud, Rosebud, you know, as the fucking snow globe falls out of his hand, you know, and all the shit's just, (laughs) so yeah, you're right, shit hoarders. I think Jim Morrison said that, right? Admirals and shit hoarders or something. (laughs) Uh, I think his daddy was an admiral, one star, small one. Uh, many birthdays uh, after that from Austin with a cover of uh, Flaming Lips, Convinced of the Hex. And then out of the city, Girls with Guns, that's Lonnie. Lonnie's uh, Snakefinger's daughter. And uh, uh, I think uh, Howard Drew Feldman has something to do with this. Uh, he's mixing it, tribute. And uh, finally, we heard Carnal Kitchen with uh, Zigana. And uh, Carnal Kitchen was the band that Ig saw. Brother Steve plays Saxon and asked him to be part of the fun house. And, uh, you know, Brother Steve went on tour with Snakefinger when he was doing that blues stuff near the end of his life. And um, so I thought of him. And uh, and it's trippy, too, because, you know, he was a sax man, and, uh, but there's a lot of uh, your instrument on there. And so I was thinking of you. Uh, what about, uh, has, has this church had gigs? Does it have gigs? Yeah. Um, yeah, it has regular um, classical things, and it has other kinds of projects, like, you know, the band 30 Seconds to Mars? Yeah, um, I heard Jared, of those guys. Jared, Jared Leto's project, 30 Seconds to Mars. It's a, you know, proper rock band. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> they, they've recorded there, and they've done shows there, so it's an incredibly liberal place. Yeah, um, but have you been thinking about maybe recreating your record for a gig for people? You know, I did actually do that a couple of weeks ago, um, and on the 19th of April, I did a re- my release show there, and it was great. It was just packed with people, and it was... Oh, wow, constant. so the release yeah. gig was actually where you made it. Yeah, you know, the incredible <laughs> thing is, yeah, the the, uh, the pastor there, this guy named Father Stephen Harding, he's an awesome guy, and he's kind of taken a shine to me, and so I got to use the church, which is incredible, yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, I, and I really like them, because they do a lot of good works in the community, they're just an activist type of place, so I got, to, I got to sing and play in there, and it was thrilling, I mean, when you play, and when you sing a note out, it goes into the distance, into the rafters, and it's, it's amazing to perform there. Well, yeah, I mean, I think those things were built for the human voice. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of rock and roll, maybe not big Catholic cathedrals, but little 
Baptist churches. You know, a lot of rock and roll comes out of church singing mm-hmm. because, yeah, you lose it, right? You kind of get wild. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's great, right? It's a little bit, you know, just that release that every human being needs, you know, just get down. <laughs> right, right. Or, or thinking of people like Aretha or even Elvis. I know he learned to sing in oh. church. Oh, yeah. Well, that's you can kind of hear it when someone was a church singer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah, can, yeah. You, it's like something like in the soul quality of what they're doing. I, I don't know how else to put it, but it's just there's a root in there that's really deep. you got a station there called WBAI, and it's part of this, I think, five stations called Pacifica. And we got one here in SoCal, KPFK. Mm. And on Sunday mornings, 90.7 FM, they have Gospel Caravan. And they oh. play this stuff, man. And it, it, my mom used to call them Holy Rollers, you know, because they get wild. Holy. Oh, they're incredible, like those bands, like the Trumpeteers and, you know, people like Mavis Staples. And, yeah. I mean, they're... they're Steve Hodges is playing with Mavis Staples right now. The guy who did my uh, drums for my first opera, speaking of Oh, which, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Really? That's... Wow, Colstrom's that's incredible. Studio. Yeah, it was. She was playing with some uh, fusion guys in... Um, what's his name? Uh, um, he's on the first uh, Cat Beefheart album. Oh, and I he quit know. the band. Yeah, yeah you, you would know his. Leo Kotke. Mm. Oh, Leo Kotke, yeah. Yeah, he quit when uh, the captain w- walked off the stage in Monterey. And he said, fuck this guy. But but he he, <laughs> he told Mavis, man, get rid of the Fusion guys. Get Rick Colston's little blues trio here. Oh, my God. That's, that must be amazing. And, you know, I think she's the only one left of the family now. I know. She's, she's really something. I mean, she can move a mountain, you know. She's incredible. And you know this whole idea too that you have to, I don't know, go to pastures. You get well. You know they used to market rock and roll as a youth thing, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that that got thrown under the tractor or whatever steamroller. Yes, because it's ridiculous. Music is music, huh? When you say, when oh you yeah, say. I mean, and also different. You know, I never have been worried about what genre of music I'm into or not into. Like I, I'll take it all. You know. Okay, for example, when you did this gig for your release, did you have mm-hmm. an opening band? I did not because um, I wanted it just to be like a listening experience of the album. So I decided sure. not to. But I, when I play gigs like with my band or yeah. we, often, you know, we have somebody or sometimes I'll have a poet open for me, you know, or I, I'm, I'm interested in, in sort of shaking it out and right. seeing what happens, you know. Really so it doesn't have it. to be another uh, cello lady singing. No way. Yeah. No way. I mean, in fact, like, you know, just because I have a cello, it's like I'm really pretty darn far away from being a classical person, you know. Uh-huh. There's not I did not too much, even though my training is that way, There's that's not what I do. Well, you, know? you said improvise. And, and I, I got to say, man, a lot of great people, you know, I've been taken to these gigs to, People here at L.A. and see, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Bartok and uh, mm, uh, oh, yeah. all these kind of uh, incredible, uh, pa- uh, the Wagner, Parsifal, and oh, yeah. uh, incredible yeah. stuff. And, and you know all those guys could play, but I bet you if you did not put music in front of them, a lot of them would be stumped. And see, you got into improvisation, so that will, mm-hmm. will separate you, I think, big time from a lot of classical. Yeah, yeah, and there's people like I don't know if you know like Arthur Russell. He was a cello player out of New York. He he, he died from AIDS, but he was an incredible, incredible singing cellist. You know. What about uh, and, Tom Corman? Uh, I don't even know who that Skeleton is. Skeleton Crew. He played with Fred oh, Firth. Oh yeah. Oh Ma- yeah. Ma- 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 Massacre Tree or something. Oh, yeah, so this guy would play oh, cello yeah, and also play bass and drums all at the same yeah. time and shit. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was around, I think, like earlier, and you know, and some then disease got like him somebody, early. I don't know if it was HIV or anything, but it was yeah, something, something yeah. killed him early. But he was incredible talent. 
Yeah, there are amazing, and in even New York, there there's so many different kinds of people. But I definitely, I don't have to be associated with other string players or anything. Like it just so happens that I play the cello, you know. Sure. But it's you know, but it, but I'm open. Like I like you know, do you know Ruins that Japanese punk sure. band? You know, like it's I love mainly that. a drummer guy. He's been playing with the yeah. sax lady. I mean, I, they're incredible. Like I love them, and I love Debussy, and I love I like Katy Perry. You know, I mean, I I'm open. <laughs> no, I think you think music is music. So do I. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. we're at the end of the second hour of April 9, thousand eighteen. Dishwaff Peter Show special guest Serena Yost. Hold tight for hour three. May nine, two thousand eighteen. It's the third hour of the Lot for Pedro Show. Happiness is like a bird with twenty wings Try to catch him as he flies Happiness is like a bird that always sings When his head is in the skies You can try to make him Beside you, you can say the door is open wide. If you grab at him, woe betide you. I know because I've tried. Like a bird, I fly upon an April morning, very quickly taking fright. Happiness is coming gone.
Live from Pedro Show, we started the third hour off with happiness. And uh, Serena Yost, and she wants to tell you about it. Yeah, so happiness is a song that I recorded uh, because I have great admiration for the writer. And the writer of that song is Molly Drake. And she is, I'm sure you've heard of, or hopefully you've heard yeah, of, Nick, yeah. Drake, Nick Drake. So that Man is who Nick killed Drake. himself early. Um, yeah, I mean, so... Nick Drake's mother was also very musical, and um, she was this amazing writer, and I discovered her songs and just fell in love with her. Yeah, yeah, he had a really special voice. Yeah, you know, and a special voice, and I think maybe a challenging disposition. Oh, and, yeah, maybe a little depression. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, really, really hard, you know. Yeah, and yeah, when, you could feel it in his voice. It's like, whoa. Yeah, and when and you it's not all his, artifice, you know, I think... Oh no! Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a person living that, and yeah. you know, and creating beauty out of it, which is really amazing. And yeah. his his mother also, you know, is definitely a, a little dark. Like the song "Happiness" has some dark elements to it, but she's also quite charming. Right, and you know, I'm always afraid of the ironic part of a title like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like be I mean, careful for what you wish for. Exactly. Well, it's it's a bittersweet thing, you know, and I guess a lot of things are right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think a lot of our belief systems <laughs> tumble out of that kind of mm-hmm. endeavor, thinking mm-hmm. about that. And then we heard uh, something uh, from your town, a new band called $75 Bill with I'm Not Trying to Wake Up. Cat came to the, I did a gig with uh, Danny Frankel, oh, DC mm-hmm. drummer guy who lives out here now, and uh, Josh Hayden, Charlie Hayden's son. Oh, and uh, mm-hmm. this, after the gig, the cat just handed me the record. I said, yeah. Uh, I listened to it. It was like, whoa. And it's part, a part of this. You know, Nels Klein lives out where you live now. And it's because yeah. NYC's got the free thing going. Um, yes. Free it doesn't mean inexpensive, people. It means they're a lot <laughs> looser with the music. It's not an inexpensive town. Unless you want to have a good time on the water, take the Staten Island Ferry because it's free. <laughs> I love that you. I love that you know that. Oh, I've, I've ridden on it sometimes eight, nine in a row. <laughs> got a little scared when the dude ran into the pier. Uh, oh, well, you know they got pilot bad. houses on. There's pilot houses on each side, so they just you know I don't have to turn the boat around. Yeah, no, I think that um, that's one of the you know special treasures of New York City. I always tell my my tourist people that you got to go there. That's the Econo ride. So yeah. so lullaby. Hmm. That's what we played after the $75 bill. Can you tell me about Lullaby? Yeah, uh, Lullaby is a song that I wrote the words to it, but it's based on a Brahms melody. And um, uh-huh. it's, it's you know, Brahms was this tremendous composer, insp- yeah. inspire, really inspiring. And I I have the melody sort of from my childhood, or it's I think a lot of people have heard that melody. And then I wrote wanted to write something really simple, like a simple gesture to, to go with it. Um, so that's how that... To be. You know, I wonder, because I mentioned uh, Bella Barr talked to you, I read places where he got ideas for tunes by going into fucking little town, little villages, mm. and maybe Mr. Brahms heard a kid's song, yes. maybe. You know, I mean, I know, know these guys are incredible music, and you know, it means a lot of math and a lot of physics and a lot of incredible stuff to be these conductor, uh, uh, composer music peoples but i wonder if they have to get outside that box to find something simple to riff on 
I mean, I think a lot of I think it's totally true what you're saying, and that a lot of classical composers took melodies, folk melodies, and then elaborated on them, you know. And Bartok was, I mean, all that folk music that they had, that Hungarian folk music, was really it's in the songs, you know. Um, I mean, Bartok happens to be one of my favorite composers. I love him, and I love how it's just going along. It's really beautiful, and then all of a sudden it gets really twisted. Like, here oh comes yeah, the sec- yeah. Here the one comes I the sec- saw was sec- the magical Mandarin. And right in this part, they flip their violins over and start playing the back of the necks with the bows. <laughs> right? All oh these polyrhythms and trippy stuff. It's almost as the Rite yeah. of Spring uh, uh, sewing machine factory trip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really edgy, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was. It was a real, really a trip. The other, the other dynamic I never realized before was how the conductor has to pull the musicians together. Mm-hmm. Even though they're mm-hmm. incredible. I could see once they let go, it was that guy, Pierre Boulet. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. What about the cut? I'm going to play the cut here. Yes. Oh, the cut's a really personal song. Um, has to, um, you know, you could listen to the chorus to get a sense of what it is, but it's yeah. sort of the cut that you, or a gash that you might receive in your life and the the things that flow from that, the good and the bad and the bad and the good, you know? So it's a, it's about really about being on the bone and about, I guess, feeling humbled. <laughs> and when I was writing that song, I felt humbled by something. So, um, and it's probably the most athletic song on the whole album. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's really, it's like a super, you know, it's like a dance. Like what I'm doing on the cello there is pretty wild. It's your version of Flight of the Bumblebee. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Stop. 
find myself inside I saw you crossing by the street Walking straight forward Looking for something that could ease in your pain And you kept holding your bag in your hand You were walking through something I did not know I became quite curious about something that I could show And then you stopped, you turned around, you looked at me And it felt like a thousand stars came down from the sky Some polite remarks were made a show of 
never speaking our minds. But finally, it's like the dream is done. Compliments have come along. You never got to know me very well. You are always so intent on finding names to amazing games you build.
doorway Enter the hall Drink some cool water Lean but don't fall Look for an answer There's always more Great conclusions Burn at the core Great conclusions Burn at the core Great conclusions Burn at the for Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Uh, you just heard great conclusions. It's almost like it was scripted for <laughs> this point of the, the show. And before that, we had Pyramid Blue doing, yeah, some stuff from Spain. Uh, La Oportunidad. Before that, pa Pajaro, Sunrise, Move Like a Ghost, Ginferno, Erta Ala, uh, Gecko Turner ahead of that with I'll Do That. Before that, Dead Capo with Moncatis, Moncatis revisited. And, of course, we started with the cut right to the bone, Serena Yost. What about tour? Yeah, it's going to be happening. Um, we're booking shows right now. So we're looking at uh, summer and fall. I'll probably be headed to Europe, uh, maybe the U.K., Switzerland, where my family's originally from, and maybe Germany. Um, so... Folks, if they're interested, can find out about it on my website. Um, that those dates will be posted within the next week or two. And that's uh, s e r e n a j o s t dot com. You got it, Serena Yost dot com. Yep. Yeah, people. When you see in, in Europe a J, it's usually a Y, but not <laughs> in Spain. It's an H. We say Jose, not Jose. But we said Yugoslavia, not Hugoslavia. So that's how I remember. Now, the Italians, they got a soft J like us, so you don't have to worry in Italy. Actually, there's an Italian part of Switzerland. There is, actually, yeah. Uh, now, my family, uh, Lugano. My family, what's that? Lugano. Lugano. Oh, it's incredible there. One of my favorite places ever. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I like all the... The other, uh, I guess there's one little canton I ain't, ain't been to, but of course the German one's the big one, and then there's a French one, and then Italian. But yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, people, you should uh, get over there and uh, check out where the tour is coming and get to see this live. Do you do you have something planned now, Serena, for the West Coast for SoCal? Um, um, I'm looking actually at July for that. So um, people can I, again, they're going to have to come back to the site, or if people want to be on the mailing list, they can contact me through my website also. And um, but I'll keep you posted too, so yeah, you know. Please, please. What about? Are you thinking even ahead of after the tour? Are you thinking about 
next record? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a whole bunch of songs, a whole stack of songs. And um, I will probably do this, the next recording with my band. Um, Some guitars, bass songs, cello stuff. But I'm thinking about integrating this kind of live approach again, because I I really enjoyed it so much. You know, I love the rawness of working live and um, seeing what happens and just being really open to with the chemistry. So that's what I'm looking for. for being, the next in, uh, being in front of people instead of like a control thing in a studio. Um, or, or like in a live setting, like let's say in a church or a studio. Yeah, like it could be in front of people, but also it could be, um, in, you know, in a church setting or other kind of setting where we just go for a live, like we could, we could be in the studio too, I guess, but I want to sort of do less overdubs and more live tracking. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, like yeah. first take kind of thing. Uh, exactly. Or, 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 yeah, not not overdubbing. You're yeah. actually, the people playing are actually the way it's going to be. Yeah, you know, yeah. I love working the other way too, but I've, I've worked that way a fair amount, and I'm you know, really I, interested. I've read about uh, Nat King Cole record where the Trump, trumpet player has to move up closer for the solo yeah there's no oh, mixing there's well, no mi- they're, they're, they're going right to a lacquer 75 dollar lacquer which was the price of a used car so if you Isn't fucked up yeah those guys that was pretty wow. balls out <laughs> that's incredible to think about when you think about his recordings and in a way how pristine and beautiful they are right incredible huh mm. much respect well i love mm. what you're doing man and i can't wait for round two i can't uh wait to see you here too when you come with this uh album here of this stuff from mm. the church uh, it's been a big honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I really loved talking with you. It's so interesting, and, and your show is fantastic, so thank you so much. Oh, you're most kind. People, it's been May 9, 2018 edition of the Wild for Peter Show, special guest Serena Yost. Keep your powder dry.